been a week of significant events, to be sure. Uh, some of us have been talking about and bemoaning some of the rulings that have come down in Washington in regards to things like same-sex marriage and so forth. It's not been a good week for our nation and for morality in general. But there's been something else that happened this week, and I don't know if you even paid attention to it or not. The official start of summer happened this past week. We're now officially in summertime. And the start of summer also brings a lot of things. Some of those things are good and enjoyable. Unfortunately, some of those things are bad and to be bemoaned. And one of the bad things about summer and warm weather is the immodesty that is so prevalent in our society. And so tonight what we want to do is what we often do uh, near the start of summertime is spend some time thinking about modesty and the clothes we wear. Uh, it's a reminder, nothing new, because we've talked about this all before, but simply a reminder about the importance for us as the people of God to maintain proper attire, that we dress appropriately, that we dress modestly. It's important for us uh, to do that. How would we address this topic? As we've addressed it so many times before, how can we approach it? Maybe in a little different way to give us a uh, a different look, maybe a, maybe something that will strike a chord uh, in the minds of all a little more effectively. So I've chosen tonight that we'll do it by looking at it this way. Some questions that we need to ask when we're choosing the clothes that we decide to wear. Some questions we ought to ask ourselves and then use the answers to those questions to help us make right decisions about the clothes we wear. We want to talk about modesty tonight. Thanks for being here. We're grateful for one and all. Glad that you've come. We have visitors with us, and we're so thankful that you have come our way. It's been a beautiful day here in Middle Tennessee, and it's a great privilege to end the day with another time to come together to praise God in song, to pray to Him, to study from His Word. We're glad that you're here to be a part of that. If you have questions about anything you see or hear uh, while you're at College View, please bring them to our attention, even if it might be that you happen to disagree with something that you see or hear. Say so, please so that we can work together to come to a resolution to find out what God really says in His Word, make sure uh, we understand His truth, because we believe it is understandable. And if we understand it, we will understand it alike. And so, uh, please say so if you have any questions. Thanks for being here. Some questions to ask when choosing the clothes we wear. Where do you start? What would be a starting place, a first question to ask? I think the first question that you've got to ask is, does this that I'm thinking about wearing, does it cover my nakedness? Nakedness is a shame, the Bible says. It always has been. Dating all the way back to the Garden of Eden, there was a shame associated with nakedness. And it is still true, even to this day. In the New Testament, we see the shame of nakedness being used to make a point. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 3, when uh, the Lord was addressing the church at Laodicea. He said in Revelation 3, verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now understand, we certainly understand, that here in this context, the Lord is using this... Uh, concept of the shame of nakedness. He's using it to make a spiritual point, but he's using something that's understood in the physical world to make this spiritual point. 
These people were naked spiritually. That is, they were not at all what they ought to be. And he was encouraging them to make needed changes to cover this shame of nakedness. And But he's using it in a spiritual or figurative application. But of course, you can't use something that way unless it's true in reality. You can't make a spiritual application of a physical thing unless that physical thing is true. And therefore, we would conclude that it was understood uh, that nakedness is a shame. And therefore, the Lord was using that expression to make a spiritual application to the church at Laodicea. Later in the book of Revelation, we see it again. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So again, uh, this is a figurative application of an understood, accepted physical truth that there is a shame associated with nakedness. Now, when the Bible uses the notion of nakedness, Please understand that it's not talking about complete nudity, not any clothes at all. Very often when we use that word today, we understand it in the sense of not a, not a stitch of clothing on. But that's not the way the Bible uses the, the term nakedness. We would see that if we go back to that Garden of Eden episode in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning verse 7, it says, They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made them aprons. And so, they knew that they were naked. Well, in that, in that reference, of course, they didn't have anything on. And so, what they did is that they made themselves aprons. So, initially, they were completely without clothes at all, naked in that sense. But then they made for themselves some aprons by sewing together fig leaves. Those aprons, uh, Zondervan's dictionary of, or excuse me, Zondervan's pictorial uh, encyclopedia of Bible says that this word aprons means brief covering material for the lower front of the body which ties around the waist. And so you think of an apron, you think very much of what we might think of an apron, something you tie around your waist that covers the lower front portion of the body. Now, they did that. They didn't have any clothes on initially. And they put made these aprons and tied them on. But then, when the Lord came into the garden, Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Well, when did he say that? He said that after he'd already made the aprons, right? He had the apron on, but he said, I felt naked. He still felt naked. He wasn't adequately clothed. That's the sense in which the word naked is used here. He didn't have sufficient or adequate coverage of his body. Apparently, God agreed with that assessment because God said to him, Who told thee that thou was naked? God didn't say, Oh, Adam, you're not naked. You got that apron on. You're covering part of your body. You're not, you're not naked. No, God said, wait a minute, who told you that you were naked? So, even after he put on this apron, which covered the lower front part of his body, he, he felt inadequately covered, still felt naked, and apparently God agreed that he was naked because later in the text, it says at verse 21, Unto Adam also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Notice they were then finally clothed when the Lord God made coats of skins. Uh, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says that this word coats means corresponding most nearly to our long shirt, 
reaching below the knees always. Now, finally they were covered. Their nakedness was covered. Uh, and so we see from this episode that I think we would conclude that nakedness, by God's standard, means exposing the torso of the body. From the shoulders down to the knees, God expected to have them to be covered in order to cover their nakedness. So, if we're trying to get a handle on what is nakedness, and as I'm asking questions about what kind of clothes should I wear, first basic question would be, does it cover nakedness? And if it, to do so, it needs to cover from the shoulders or neck down to the knees or below, certainly, to cover nakedness. We could stress about this part of the leg that needs to be covered. The torso needs to be covered. That, by the way, is for men and women alike. I don't see any difference in the Bible expressed as to whether men could expose their torso and women couldn't. Uh, we need to keep the torso of our body covered, the covered nakedness. But there's another passage that we've studied before in Exodus chapter 28, beginning verse 40, when God was talking about the attire of priests under the law of Moses. Now, we're not saying we're priests, and we're not saying we're, we're not saying we're priests under the Levitical system, and we're not saying that we should dress necessarily like the priests dress. We're not going to this text for that reason. We're going to this text for the same reason we were looking at that one in Genesis, is to get a definition about nakedness. Nakedness is a shame, always has been. So what is nakedness? Well, you've got to keep the torso of your body covered. You've got to keep your leg covered to the knee or below, uh, as we see in this text, Exodus 28, beginning verse 40. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty, and thou shalt put them on Aaron thy brother and his sons with him. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even to the thighs they shall reach, and they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come into the tabernacle of the congregation or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place. Notice these breeches or breeches were to cover their nakedness. And they extended. This was, by the way, their underwear, if you will. This is, this is not to say that the priests were going about their priestly duties wearing the equivalent of what someone might refer to as Bermuda shorts. This was not an external garment. This was an undergarment that they wore under their robes in case in the course of their priestly duties there was some pretty heavy work in, in slaughtering animals and lifting them on the altar and so forth. And in case there might be any instance where someone might view up under their robes that they would have been wearing, these undergarments would have protected them from exposing their nakedness. The nakedness included the thigh of the leg from the waist down to the knee was considered nakedness. So, as we said, to cover nakedness, I've got to cover the torso of the body, I've got to cover the leg at least to the knee or below. I want to stop here just for a minute to challenge our thinking about this business of keeping our legs covered to the knee or below, not exposing the thigh. I want to especially challenge you young people. I see you dressing uh, as you go about to some casual events and some sporting activities, uh, dressing here and going across the street to play frisbee and so forth. All good fun, uh, to be sure. But I see some of you wearing shorts that expose the leg above the knee. And I want to ask you why you're doing that. In light of God's definition of nakedness, I simply ask you why you're doing that. I've, I've seen some of you with shorts that expose the leg above the knee. And I would also ask you to think, not only when you're standing up do you keep that part of your body covered, but as you're playing, 
Frisbee or as you're engaging in other activities. And especially when you sit down. We know what happens when you sit down. Those shorts right up above the knee, exposing the thigh. And the Bible says that's nakedness. And God says that nakedness is a shame. I really want to encourage you young people to think about that. I mean, you can just blow this off if you want to. Oh, that's just the preacher, and he's old-fashioned and an old fogey, and that's what the preacher's expected to say. If it's just my opinion, you are more than welcome to disregard it completely, but answer this Bible argument before you disregard this as being pertinent to the way you dress. Ask yourself the question as you're choosing the clothes you wear for everything. Wherever you're going, if you're coming to worship services, if you're going to a social event, if you're going across the street to play Frisbee, ask yourself the question, does this cover nakedness? That's an important question to ask. A follow-up question. How will this that I'm thinking about wearing, this, these clothes I'm choosing, how will this represent my character? You know, in addition to covering our bodies, clothes are really an advertisement about our character, about who we are, or at least who we want people to think that we are. Clothes represent something about our character. Clothes can tell you that a person is wealthy, or clothes can tell you that a person is popular, or clothes can tell you that a person is trying to attract attention to themselves in a sexual way. Or clothes can represent a person who's pure of heart, uh, a person who's wanting to live as a godly individual. What do the clothes say about you and about your character? In the text that Trent read for us earlier from 1 Peter chapter 3, at verse 3 it says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. When you're choosing clothes that you will wear, simply ask the question, how will this reflect upon my character? What will others think of me based upon what they see me wearing? Because I want to tell you, of course, that clothes do make a statement in such regard. The Bible talks, for instance, at various places about the clothing of a harlot. Uh, in ancient times, a woman who was immoral in that fashion, she didn't have to hang a sign outside her house to tell what she was about. You could tell by looking at the clothes that she wore, what kind of a person she was. I'll tell you, that's still true. We can, till, we can still say something. We can determine something about the character of a person by the clothes that they wear. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, and I think that, by the way, should be verse 11 instead of verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 through 11. That the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. I think this is an interesting expression in this text. Here's a woman, she professes godliness. She claims to be a Christian. She claims to love God and want to do the will of God. She's professing godliness. What this passage is saying then, the clothes that she wears ought to, ought to show that. She shouldn't just be making the claim. She ought to be showing that by the way that she dresses. And so this would again uh, sort of verify the point we're trying to emphasize here is that clothing does say something about your character. You claim to be a Christian. 
then let your clothes demonstrate that too. Let your clothes make this statement about you. Uh, how will this represent my character? Another question that we could ask and get the idea now. What we're saying is, every one of us, as we go about choosing clothes that we're going to put on today or tomorrow, or this week, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, we shouldn't just do that randomly. There should be some thought process engaged in it. We ought to give some consideration to certain things. What about this? Well, here's another question to ask yourself then. What will be the likely effect on others? In other words, if I choose to wear this, what will be the effect on others? Well, we know that some people dress in a fashion in order to elicit immoral thoughts. Uh, some people dress in a certain way to try to get other people to look at them in a sexual way. And we know that's a great problem. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, I say to you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so there is this problem that if, if a person dressed immodestly, then others might look upon her or him and have impure, immoral thoughts in their heart. And that's a sin. Jesus said uh, that the one who would look upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. When this point has been made, I've heard people say, especially I've heard women who would say about a man looking at her in that way, oh, that's his problem. That's his problem. He's got a dirty mind. He's got a dirty mind. Let him look away. You know? Well, it, really? You really think it's only his problem? I don't think so. And I don't think the Bible says so. Uh, the fellow who would look at a woman, maybe an immodestly dressed woman, and think impure thoughts about it. He's got a problem for sure, and there's a sin associated with that. And Jesus said so here. But Jesus also said in Matthew 18, verse 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. So here, Jesus is saying, All right, that guy who looked, here's that girl, and she wasn't dressed right, and she provoked him to think uh, impure thoughts. He's got a problem. He needs, he needs to get, he needs to repent of that. And he needs to stop doing that. He needs to stop having those thoughts. But it's not just his problem. The woman who caused him to think those thoughts by dressing immodestly has caused offense. And Jesus says, woe to that man or woman by whom the offense cometh. And so if we might cause someone to think impure thoughts by the way we dress, if we might have that in, effect on them. That's something that has to be considered. But I would take this a step further, too. Uh, some, some, some folks couldn't provoke a lustful thought if their life depended upon that. We understand that that's true of some of us. Matt's grinning. Matt knows what I'm talking about. Some of us couldn't get someone to think an impure thought if our life depended on it. But we could still have a negative impact on others by choosing to wear clothes that we shouldn't wear. And I'm going to tell you, this happens a lot. Now, I'll just state uh, from personal experience, I've been sorely disappointed and discouraged by my brethren when I've seen sometimes the clothes they choose to wear. Now, it's not that impure thoughts have been in my heart, but just the thought I'm so disappointed that, that my brethren aren't more careful that they don't think about what they're doing. 
that they dress that way and don't even give any consideration to the biblical standards of modesty. And so, the impact that we could have, not necessarily we provoke an immoral thought, but the impact that we could have might be that we discourage our brethren when they realize that we're not living the way we should, not dressing the way that we should. In Romans chapter 14, verse 13 no, let no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And then down to verse 19. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things whereby we may edify one another. I'm going to tell you, brethren, when you don't dress right, you are not edifying your brethren. You're not pursuing things that edify. You're pursuing things that discourage and bring down. And you need to think about that. You young people need to think about that. You know, uh, this is not just a problem... This is a problem for the young and old alike. And you young people, when you're not dressing appropriately, when you're not dressing modestly, it's a discouragement to others. And the Lord told us to be concerned about that and to factor that into our thinking when we make decisions about the clothes that we wear. So, very simple starting place. Does it cover basic nakedness? It needs to do that for sure. But really, modesty is more than that. Modesty is more than just covering the, the, the limits of nakedness. And the truly modest person is not going to try to see how close to those lines of nakedness they can get. They're going to see how far away they can stay. But does it cover nakedness? How does it represent my character? Well, other people think that I'm a godly person. Well, other people imagine that I'm a Christian, a child of God, by what they see me wearing. How, how am I going to affect others? Might I cause a lustful thought by how I dress? Or, and I think this is even more of a concern for us, would I cause my brethren to be discouraged by what they saw me wearing? And then finally, just ask this question, what's my real motive in wearing this? All through the years when we have talked about this and, and studied about it and preached and taught about it, there have been some people who respond you can't draw absolute lines when it comes to modesty. I deny that. I think as we saw earlier in the passages, there are some absolute lines. The Lord has established what is nakedness. There's some real lines you can draw. Everybody who says you can't draw a line needs to go back and rethink that statement. The Bible draws some absolute lines as to what constitutes nakedness. Uh, but these people who say you can't draw lines... They say, instead of trying to talk about absolutes, I think it's wrong. I, I think they're wrong. I think they're absolutes. They, they say, don't try to teach about absolute lines. Try to change people's hearts, convict the heart, and then they'll get, they'll make the decisions right. You know, I happen to agree with that. Convict the heart is the problem, right? Uh, and so we do need to talk about the heart and the motive in choosing clothes, but we need to give the info about what are the real lines that God has drawn? So I, I, I think you need both. Yeah, but I would agree. Absolutely. Get a person's heart right. And then they're going to start making right decisions based upon what's taught in the Word of God if they have that information about what is taught in the Word of God. Back to First Peter chapter 3 again just for a minute. Remember that Peter said concerning clothes, let it be the hidden person of the heart. In other words, uh, don't let your adornment be merely outward, but let it be the inward or hidden person of the heart. Uh, when you dress, the way you dress, the choices you make about the clothes that you wear, 
it exposes your heart. Your heart is on display uh, by the means of the clothes that you choose to wear. Uh, what is the real person here? Well, the real person's in the heart. But Peter said that what you wear exposes your heart and your motives are on display. Is your motive to impress, to gain attention? Uh, is, your, is your purpose to attract sexual interests? You can do that with your clothes, and your heart is exposed when you do that. Uh, I would agree. The real solution here is change the heart. Get, get our hearts right. Then understand the limits, the absolute limits that are put forth in the Word of God. And a person with the right heart who understands the limits that God sets in His Word will make the right decisions about the clothes to wear. Well, this is a little bit different approach to how we can come to some right conclusion about our clothes. Does it cover nakedness? How will it represent my character? What will be the likely effect on others? What's my motive in wearing this? Ask yourself those questions, and I, I hope that we can make right decisions. I think this kind of a topic certainly especially applies to our young people. You guys, I think, are most challenged in regards to this. When we get old and ugly, we understand. we got to keep covered up, don't we, Larry? We understand. Old, old, ugly people stay covered up. We know that. Uh, and so it's not as great a challenge for us as we get old. But you young people have a great challenge. And the world is not helping you make right decisions. The world is trying to encourage you to make bad decisions about clothes. Let's look to God's Word. Let's look to our own hearts. And let's make right decisions about the clothes we wear. Thanks for listening. We're going to end the lesson, and we're going to sing a song of invitation. This has not been a kind of a lesson that teaches what one must do in order to be saved, but if you understand the gospel plan of salvation, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, and you're ready to make that decision tonight, we're ready to assist you. Let us know. We'd be glad to study with you if you need that. If you're a Christian needing the prayers of the brethren, let us know that too. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Sing along.